This is our last week in this, this series we're doing on leadership. And for those of you who are maybe here for the first time or just back, you know, for our college students and those guys um, who are coming back, we, uh, el- leadership team, um, spent some time on a retreat this summer. And, um, you know, we, we normally kind of set out our, our whole um, schedule of sermons and stuff. By the way, I want to say this real quick. If you're not in a family group, it's a great time to get involved in the family group. Family groups have been running since January nonstop, and we're going to keep going all through the fall. But if you're not in a family group right now, um, we would love for you to come out. Right now, there are two groups, but honestly, we're at the point where we're going to have to split into four groups pretty quickly here. And I think both groups have said if everyone shows up, it's too many people. Um, we do family groups in people's homes, um, and so that's happening this week. I think this week is Monday and Wednesday nights as family groups. Um, but if you want to get involved in one, that's awesome. If you're interested in hosting a family group, talk to Matt Young. He'll be glad to, to speak with you about opportunities to do that same thing, um, especially as, we, like I said, we get ready to kind of hit this critical mass. We're going to break off. Family groups talk about the things we talk about on Sunday mornings, and they expand on the topic. They kind of get into the, the Word, get into each other's lives, have a meal together, and then pray together, and uh, kind of apply what the Bible says. And, um, and so we do that work together as a community. Um, this series is actually rooted in this retreat that the leadership team did for the Family Bible Church and what our convictions are. And this series is called Leadership, but it's really about why we do what we do at Family Bible Church, okay? And so uh, we spent three weeks in this. Um, I'm going to say again this kind of phrase that we put together. It's just made up words, but it's how we see God working among us. And we think it's biblical in how we lead in the house of God. And that is that we are um, uh, elder-led, pastorally charged, and congregationally affirmed at Family Bible Church. Um, we have no affiliations. We have no um, um, endorsements of any. We're just a local church here in Highland who love Jesus and love people and are trying to become better followers of his. We believe he's after something in our lives. We believe he's after something here at this church. And we're just seeking him uh, every day, all of us together. And so, um, so we talk about that. We talked the, the, the first week in the series about the fact that Jesus is the boss. And he's the boss of not just like some of the stuff, but all the stuff. Like his word says we call him Lord, Lord. Like he is the, the boss, the king. He's the one we answer to. He's the one that ultimately has our future in his hands. He's the only one, I was thinking about this today, he's the only one that we ought to try to be impressing. And I don't mean impressing by our works, but impressing by our belief that he's enough for us. Like that our faith in him is that he will provide for us. And so all of a sudden, if you're out in the world, you know, and you think you've got a boss you can't deal with, or you've got coworkers you can't deal with, or you've got subordinates you can't deal with, if you surrender yourself into the bossship, the lordship of Jesus Christ, everything begins to shift and change. The decisions you make, if you're a young person, you're in high school, the decisions you begin to make, if you walk in step with the Spirit, and if you're listening to the Lord, Jesus Christ, that your life will change. You will live a fundamentally different life because of Jesus and so that was where we started. We believe that as leadership team at this church, that we submit to Jesus. I mean, we always, like, that's what we come together to do, and it's a messy process, but what we want is what God wants for this church, not what any one person wants for this church. And many times in church life, it's easy for someone to say, well, I'll tell you what you ought to do. And if we all pray and discern, that's what God's calling us to do, awesome. But if, if it's just someone's idea, because there's lots of su- successful businesses in the world, but they aren't the church, and, and our desire, our heart's desire is to see Jesus glorified as his people obey his commands. And so uh, that includes myself and the others. Well, last week we talked um, about from among yourselves. And this is this idea, and we had this kind of diagram. Jesus was the boss. Jesus is the boss, I should say. And then we had this diagram of the, the, those who are called out from among the body. I'll share a brief story with you. Um, I used to go to a church. I don't anymore. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I used to go to a church where you had, to, if you were the pastor, you had to set up on the stage. Right? Have you ever seen that deal where there's like, there's like seats over here and seats over Matter of fact, Dan, you could get one of those really nice high throne seats that you sat in. You know what I'm talking about? 
And because that's where the worship leader would set. And then this is where the pastor would set. And then at the appropriate times, they would come down from their high holy seats to the pulpit to preach or to sing. It was so cool, right? But I'll never forget whenever I first got up there, I was not comfortable in the high holy chair. You know what I mean? Because I felt much more like you guys. And so I insisted, much to the chagrin of the pastor, that I would not sit there. I would sit here. I, I, would, I would sit here and come from the people to bring, you know, the word that God has for me to bring to you. But it's because I'm one of you. I'm not one of them. There's, there's only Jesus and us. That's what the model is. And so um, we do that at Family Bible Church. We, we have some gear up here. We do have a, a, a stool, but it's not for setting. It's for, it's for setting things because we don't have a pulpit. Uh, <laughs> it's a cool pulpit, ain't it? It's small. It's not in the way. It matches the wood floor. Anyways, so, so, you know, this is what, but it's this idea that God moves from his people. And I, and I talked to you from scripture about how the Bible says, and we're talking about that again today. So if you forgot last week, we're going to talk about it again today. But the Bible says that they appointed leaders in each town they went to. Like they would go, they would preach the gospel. People would believe the gospel. And then from the believers who came to believe the gospel of Jesus, they would appoint leaders. We're going to talk today about how that works in the church and what that looks like. But, but, and, and so then we're going to talk about this gift of the Holy Spirit, which be, begins to cement everything that God is doing in the church. I mean, you'll recall that right after Jesus ascended into heaven, uh, Peter got busy doing church like it used to be. You know, he was like, okay, so I know we used to have 12. Let's get 12 again. And I know there's these rules we have to follow. And, and then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit came and like blew the doors off the place. Like, you don't even know what God's doing anymore, Peter. You're, you're, you're out to out to lunch here, living in the past. We live in this time now where God is, is revealing himself um, as his will. Not that he always hasn't, but specifically this time we live in um, that we're gifted by the Holy Spirit. So we're going to talk about that today. So this idea is the Holy, today the message is the Holy Spirit in us. And um, we really believe this at Family Bible Church. I want you to understand that. Like whenever you have, I know, because I know we're so used to corporations and corporate structures and, and bosses. We're used to management who makes decisions without the input of anyone else. And we're also used to, now get this, we're also used to people, what is it, the customer's always right? People dictating what the leadership must do. And I will say to you today that both those models are broken in the church. Right? I mean, if you have like the high holy see who says this is how we must go and everyone must follow, th then that's a broken model in the church. If you read the Old Testament, it fails repeatedly, that model of following a man instead of following God. It fails repeatedly. But the flip side is whenever the people cry out and demand change, like that, that, that's also a broken model in the church. The model of the Bible you know, lays out for us is, is much different. And it's this idea that it's what God is doing through us. And I can't tell you enough how convinced and convicted we are that as a church, you matter to God. As a church, what, what, what you see God doing matters. As a church, the things that God has shown you in your life, I'm talking about the real deal. A few weeks ago, we talked at the end of our series in Philippians about what has God uniquely called you to, great, given you great passion for. And I was so pleased because so many of you came to me after that. I mean, a lot of you came to me and said, you know, it's a person or it's a few people for me. And, I, and, they, and, and like that wasn't okay. And I'm like, no, that's what God does. He gives us passion for his people. And I don't mean the people in the church. I mean the people that he, he, the people that he loves, which is in the church, but also beyond the church. Brokenness in the world. A neighbor who is mourning. A friend who is lost. Do you know what I'm saying? Like God will, in, in, you know, gift you his passion and his vision for those things. If you will but 
pay attention. And I'm convinced that much, much of the Christian life is lost. And I'm not saying as one who gets it 100%, but I've tasted and I've seen that walking with Jesus is real and powerful and matters. If only we pay attention and follow him. It transforms everything. Real quick, I'll say, I'll say one thing and we're going to get into this week's text. Right now, if you're in a job where you just can't stand it, you just can't stand your job, I, I, would, I, would, I would propose it might be because you don't think Jesus is there with you. I'll tell you why. Because if you recognize in your work that Jesus is with you, your days change. The interaction with your boss changes. The interaction with your coworkers change. The interaction with other students change when you recognize that Jesus is with you. And today we're going to talk about that reality. We sang about it this morning. God, God with us. I'm going to uh, share a couple verses with you that I want to talk about how we um, kind of deal with leadership at Family Bible Church and why. And then we're going to jump into like a, a major text to kind of spend our time on this morning. This I shared with you last week. I'm going to share it again. This is from Acts chapter 14, verse 23. You don't have to turn there if you don't want to, um, but you can if you want to because it's in the Bible. I'm not making it up. Acts um, 14, 23 says this. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. So I'm going to spend just a second on this verse. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders, that's leaders, for them, for who? The people of God, right? Uh, in, in these different regions, appointed, uh, I'm lost here, okay, um, for each church, and with prayer and fasting, now listen, committed them to the Lord, and I want you to catch the end of this, in whom they had put their trust. And, and, and uh, it's funny, in whom they had put their trust, in whom who had put their trust. I would say in whom all gathered had put their trust. Paul and Barnabas had put all their trust in Jesus. Paul and Barnabas had come and preached the gospel of salvation. These people had believed the gospel. They had repented of their sin, believed the gospel. And then it says that they put their trust in God, in the Lord. Same thing, submitting to him. But the word that I'm going to, so there's this idea that they all trust Jesus with what he's doing in the church. They all trust Jesus in, in the appointing of a leader. But I also want to say to you that there's this word in here that says appointed. And we're going to talk about this in a moment. But I think this is an interesting, um, interesting uh, verse here. Verse 23 again. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in the church and through prayer and, prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord. Okay, now this idea of appointing elders, you, you could read this text and, and you could say, well look, it's, you know, Paul and Barnabas came in, they knew who, they could put on the magic glasses, they could see who the people were that were supposed to be leaders, and they hand-selected them, right, and they appointed them like you've been appointed to a position. I now charge you with fill in the blank right? Um, and that would be, be fair. Um, matter of fact, the idea is, it's um, the, the word in Greek, I'm not going to share the Greek word with you, but the word in Greek means to reach out your hand, to reach out your hand. Now, if you do some study on this, people will say that means that they voted for the elders. That's what they will say, that, that the people gathered and that they took a vote by show of hands, who thinks this person should be a leader in the church, and they were appointed right? But it also says they're appointed by Paul and Barnabas. I want to, it's the idea of stretching out your hand. I want to say a couple things about it. I'm going to leave it open. You can study it more and, and think about what, you know, what God is revealing to you about this. But this idea is, it could be that we all voted, yeah, I agree, this dude to be a good leader in the church. That's one way. It could also be that they appointed by the stretching out of their hands. 
as in commissioning, as in laying on. They appointed them as elders. They gave them over to the Lord. You see that it says that there, that they you know, kind of gave them to God in whom they had their trust. There's this reality that in this moment, and you'll think, and um, you remember last week we talked about how Paul said, um, I'm innocent of all men's blood, you know, because he had surrendered them unto Christ. I mean, he had commissioned them unto working in the church for God and for his glory. And so at some point, they're, they're kind of just trusting Jesus to make disciples to these leaders. So it could be this idea, there's one, that we all vote. All in favor say aye, aye. That's a very American thing to do. We dig that. We're like, that fits with democracy perfectly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now, then you go to the next, which is they came forward and they, they stretched their hands out on them. They laid hands on them. That's a biblical concept that they commissioned them for the work. That Paul and Barnabas appointed them, right? I'll tell you a third thing that's funny to think about. <clears throat> the stretching out of the hand can also be the question that God seems to repeatedly ask in Scripture. Who will I send? And someone says, send me. Send me. I mean, sometimes, you know, it's so funny, but sometimes you can get frustrated. We get so used to complaining about people who are in leadership positions. We go, how did they get there? And they just raise their hand. <laughs> send me. And you know how it is sometimes the guy, you're like, don't raise your hand, dude. <laughs> you know? I know some of you thought about me, right? Thought about me. You're like, don't raise your hand. And Jesus is like, no, I'll take it seriously. I'll send, I'll send him. Right? Three ideas. Same word. Appointed. What does it mean? I'll go. I approve. Or we're giving them to you. This idea. Paul and Barnabas went through every church appointing leaders this way. Now, we're going to turn to the other text we talked about last week as well. That's, that was Acts 14.23. If you want to look at it later. We're going to turn to Titus 1.5. And um, Titus 1.5 is um, one of the uh, pastoral epistles, is called, or a letter to, the, to the, past, the pastors of the church. And this is what it says there. Um, Paul's writing, and he says this in verse 5. The reason I left you in Crete, with the Cretans, by the way, <laughs> was that you might straighten out what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. So here we have again, Paul's writing to a, a church a planter, a church leader, and he says, I left you there, Titus, to appoint elders, right? I left you there to appoint elders and uh, our leaders in every, in every town as I directed you. And again, now here's the funny thing about, and not only you guys like, what, what's the big deal? These things bother me because the word here is not the same. The word here is not to stretch out your hand and take a vote. The word here is not to, 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 to say these things. The word here says to sit not really sit down, but stand up leaders. To kind of put them in. This, this word to me has much more of a human connotation. That Titus would, would place leaders where he thought that they should be in the church of God. Different. Different. Same word in our translation, but it's different, different, different in Scripture. Right? Now, I'm, I, I want to I say to you, my, my, my argument, I guess, today is going to be that the Holy Spirit is in charge of all these things. You know, so while we might want to figure out every detail of it, the Holy Spirit is in charge of all these things. But here, here's Paul saying, the reason I left you there was to complete the unfinished work and appoint leaders in every town. And again, I want you to see that the, the leaders that are appointed are from the community. They're not outside leaders imposed on the body of Christ. They are called up from the body of Christ to lead the body of Christ. And um, we talked about that last week, about what that leadership looks like. Um, 
again. And if you want to look at that, I would encourage you to. It's in 1 Timothy 3 and in Titus. Uh, and also um, 1 Peter 5, I believe, has some of the qualifications for leadership and how it should be led. Because this is abused, abused through sinful people. And we're all sinful people. And so we all know what the Word of God says about qualifications for leadership. All right. So then I'm going to turn now back to the book of Acts. Um, and we're going to turn to uh, uh, 6 real quick. Um, Acts 6 is a, a funny bit because it, it is um, right after they're trying to figure out how to deal with a problem in the church. And we're just going to read three verses here. And this is, this is um, what's written by Luke in the book of Acts. Brothers, choose seven men from among yourselves who are known to be, now listen, full of the Spirit and wisdom. Choose seven men full of the Spirit and wisdom. And we will turn the responsibilities over to them. There was a problem that the stuff in the church wasn't being taken care of, that the, the, the work to be done wasn't getting done. And he said, choose from among yourselves seven men full of spirit and wisdom, and we will give this responsibility to them, and, they, and we'll give our attention to the prayer and ministry of the word. <clears throat> Look at verse 5. This proposal pleased the whole group. So you, you had the, the reality of there was some difficulty in the church, there were some growing pains in the church, there were some things that were uncomfortable, and, and then there was this kind of prop, preposi proposition made to say, hey, choose from among yourselves seven leaders, and then we'll give them this work to do. And we'll continue carrying off what God's called us to do. It's, it's a model. I love it. And we've said this before in this church, but Stephen, this is not a discomposition. He becomes the first martyr of the church. He proclaims the word of God boldly to his very death. And he's a servant in the kingdom of God. He is appointed by the church um, as a, a leader. It's a difference. Diakonos, a servant leader, but it's, he's still a leader in the church. And uh, gives his life for Christ in a glorifying way. All right, so we're going to turn now. This is the big one we're going to get into, uh, Acts 15. Okay, so you have kind of some different models for how this works. And so when, when we start to talk about, so I'm talking about the third part of this, congregationally affirmed, you know. What we do at Family Bible Church, when we, when we especially um, appoint a leader, um, or, and let me explain this real quick, the whole process. We begin with prayer. We just pray. We pray that God would give us eyes to see and ears to hear and, 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 and a brain to know the people he's called and gifted among us to lead. We pray for that. And, and we ask that the church be praying for that as well. We ask that you be praying for that, right? Um, and then as the Lord leads, if, when we come together with people and we, what God does is we go to someone and, and they're like, you know, God's been the heads of my heart. And we pray for that for a while. So, I mean, before it ever gets here on a Sunday morning and we start talking to you about it, we're, we're talking and praying with people. We're sincerely asking God, how many people do you want leading? What positions, you know, what <clears throat> ministries need to be, you know, kind of shepherded and, and led <clears throat> in this way and really wanting to seek God in all those things. So by the time it gets to you, it's been bathed in prayer. It doesn't mean it's, it's but we bring it to you because it matters, because it doesn't mean that we're done. Like, it's not like, oh, and here's our decision. At that point, we ask you, and you've seen us if you've been around the church for a while, we ask you. We believe that God is calling this person to be a leader in the church. If you know anything about him, good or bad, would you please come and talk to us? And would all of you pray for discernment on this matter? Because we think it really, really matters what your input is in the process. We really, really listen to it. And, um, and so that's kind of the, the way that we do that. Um, by the way, what we do here is we do it three weeks in a row because um, we know that people's schedules are crazy and you might not make it to church every Sunday. And so we kind of present three times. And after the third time, if, if everyone's hearts and minds are clear, we, we give them over to the Lord. And we do that whole thing like Paul and Barnabas. We put hands on them and we say, God, we're commissioning them into this role in your kingdom. Really big deal at Family Bible Church. Um, 
And so, and again, I can go on and on. I won't, but that's not a, it's just a servant position here at the church to love you well and to serve you well. That's what we're trying to do. Um, all right, here we go. Then in, it's in verse uh, 1 of chapter 15 in the book of Acts. Some men came down from Judea and Antioch and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. Okay? Brothers, catch the words, came down and taught, unless you're circumcised, you can't be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, there's another word, by the way, different in the Greek than the two we've already read, along with some other believers. There we go. Now I'm going to try my coordination. All right. So, so they were traveling through Jerusalem, and they were telling them everything that God had done through them. Okay? Verse 5. Some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees, I mean, catch the language here. Some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to obey the law of Moses. Verse 6, the apostles and elders met to consider the question. And after much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago, God made a choice among you, among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he had accepted them by the giving of the Holy Spirit to them, just like he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the disciples a yoke that neither us nor our forefathers have been able to bear? No, we, we believe that it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that we are saved just as they are. Okay, this is a lot of kind of, I don't know, church language, but the truth is this, that there were some Pharisees. Remember the Pharisees that Jesus talked to a lot about holiness and righteousness and the kingdom of God? They had come to believe in Jesus, but they were still holding on to these old rules about what was right and wrong and what you had to do to be saved. And Peter makes this case to them. He says, listen, Jesus has revealed himself to the Gentiles and given them the Holy Spirit as proof that they believe, that they, they have faith, Right? And so Peter says that this thing that God has done is different and therefore is no longer clinging to the law. And as a matter of fact, what he says is if you continue to demand of them something, they're going to fail because we couldn't do it either, keeping the law. Don't put on them a yoke that our forefathers could not bear, that we or our forefathers could not bear. So Peter makes a case and he says, he says you know, this isn't okay. This isn't okay. Check it out. So, yeah, the Holy Spirit was given to the people of God who believed in Jesus, and he made no distinction between us and them, that he is saving all people through his grace in Jesus Christ. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on them the yokes of a, the disciples, on disciples' yoke that neither we or our fathers could bear? No, we're saved just as they are. Verse 12. The whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the miraculous signs and wonders that God had done among the Gentiles through them. You know, the reality is that God had revealed himself to the people and that Israel could no longer claim the control over what God was doing because he had clearly revealed himself as Paul and Barnabas themselves were testifying. Verse 13, when they finished, James spoke up. Brothers, listen to me. Simon has described, and this is James, by the way. Wait, there's a book in the Bible. Simon has described to us how God at first showed his concern by taking 
from the Gentiles a people for himself. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this, as it is written. After this, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild, and I will restore it, that the remnant of men may seek the Lord, and that all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord, who does these things that have been known for the ages. Then James continues, It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for Gentiles who are turning to God. But instead, we should write to them, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, sexual immorality, and from meat of strangled animals, and from blood. For Moses has been preached in every city, and the earliest times it's been read in the synagogues on every Sabbath. So James stands up and he says, we should not make these stringent law requirements. We should say these four things should be abided by, because they know those things. They should be abided by in the same way. Okay? And, and um, so that's James' input. Now here we go. The apostles and the elders and the whole church. You see that? Verse 22. Then the apostles and the elders with the whole church decided to choose some of their own men and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They chose Judas, called Barsabbas, and Silas, two men who were leaders among the brothers. And with them they sent the following letter. To the apostles and elders, your, the, the apostles and elders, your brothers, to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia, greetings. We have heard that some went out from us without our authorization and disturbed you, troubling your minds by what they said. So we all agreed to choose some men and send them to you with our dear friends, Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are sending Judas and Silas to confirm by word of mouth what we are writing. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. You are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things. Farewell. The men were sent off and went down to Antioch, where they gathered the church together and delivered the letter. The people read it and were glad for its encouraging message. Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, said much to encourage and strengthen the brothers there. After spending some time there, they were sent off by the brothers with the blessing of peace to return to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch where they and many others taught and preached the word of the Lord. And so you have Paul and Barnabas sent with church leaders to go and to, to proclaim this message. But what's striking to me about all of it and all of this, I know it was a lot, right? Is that when they show up at the church, they say, this is how we came to the conclusion of what you should be bound to. And it, was, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. That, that means a, a bunch of stuff, but it means that they have been talking to God. You'll, you'll catch that earlier in that passage, it said that after much discussion, Peter stood up and said, it wasn't like it wasn't discussed at all. And, and, and after much discernment, much discussion, much thought and prayer, listening to what God would have to say, they penned this letter that was received with, by the church with great joy because it was freedom. It wasn't more oppression. Um, we can get into a whole thing with law and what happens there. I mean, because he said it'll be good for you to avoid these things. But the point is that um, when they were sent there, they were sent by the church, and they had that, that predisposition. So many times uh, in, in, in church life, we will make decisions, we'll do things, but those are our criteria. It seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us. A couple of things that I, I believe that that means... Um, we do diligence on things. We don't just follow, you know, just say, well, God told me so, so I'm going to do it. And there's no kind of thought or planning or effort put into that. 
but it also means that we won't let our thought and effort and planning override or supersede what God is telling us that we must do or we're called to do or we're gifted to do, right? And so we hold those things in tension together, and that's how we live this, this life together in Jesus. This is our call, our call. Uh, the last verse I want to share with you um, is from 1 Corinthians, and we're not going to spend a lot of time in it, but it's 1 Corinthians um, 12, and I think we're going to be in verse 7. <clears throat> yeah, verse 7. But 12 is all full of this kind of idea of why God gives his spirit to his people. That in, in believing in Jesus, and I've said this to you before, but in believing in Jesus and claiming the name of Christ on the cross who died for your sins, at that moment where, where, and by the way, where God chose to reveal himself to you in his great mercy because you were dead in your sin. So it's not like you figured it out. You, you, not like you're the smartest guy in the world because you, you finally understand, believe that Jesus is, is Christ. It's that God in his mercy revealed Jesus to you and you accepted his offer of forgiveness of your sins. In that moment, the Bible says there's a spiritual transaction that takes takes place and his spirit lives in you and all of a sudden in the rest of your life and I know many of you were like me you came to believe in Jesus and thought that was going to be it you know like you check the box and you're good to go and his spirit in you begins to war for your righteousness battle for your righteousness and and this is and so here in first Corinthians 12 we have this list of all the ways that the, Jesus Christ gives his spirit to his people but I want to focus on verse 7 which says this now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And I just, want to talk, I just want to hang our hat on that. You can study all around that about the gifts of the church and all that stuff, but I want you to know that when Jesus gave his Spirit to you in faith, when you believed in Jesus and his Spirit's dwelling in you, he gave it to you for the common good of his people. And that's why we say, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. That's why as a church... As messy as we are and how we lead, we move forward and we say, this is what Family Bible Church is doing because you have, are, are part of that conversation with us. And if you feel like you haven't been, you need to be. We need you at Family Bible Church to be part of the conversation. Because all of this, the, the gifts, the body, the many parts, is for his glory and for our good. And so this is how we lead and follow Jesus. I absolutely believe it. I absolutely believe it. And um, if you want to talk and pray more about that, I would love to talk with you about what we're doing here and how we're doing it and how we're doing it wrong and how we're doing it right and whatever, you know. But we are sincerely sold out to this idea that God is revealing himself to his people. It, it, church isn't something you do on Sunday. It's the people of God being redeemed for his glory. That's what his, his work is here. And so... Um, I'm, I'm going to close with that. Um, I, I want to tell you, man, if you're here today and you're like, this is hocus pocus crazy stuff and all that, I, I dare you to test Jesus on this. I dare you to talk to the Lord and Savior and just say, God, if you're there. I mean, I love that we follow God to answer as a crazy prayer like that. If you're there, show me. If, you, if you're maybe in a bad spot, I need you to deliver me from this bad spot. Walk me through this. Whatever it is in your life, I mean, God is present with us. And we can call to him. And I mean, I'm telling you, as one who's been redeemed from anywhere, he will save you. From anywhere. All right. Well, let's pray together and uh, continue then with a, a worship song today in the close. Father God, we just thank you so much for this chance to be in your word. And, and Lord, I just pray that you, you um, bring clarity to what we're talking about here today. I, I know, I sense it amongst my brothers and sisters that we, we want to be submitted unto you. And we want to submit to your Spirit's will, but 
this world it just tears at us sometimes. We, we want what we want, and we want our way. And Oh, may we surrender that to you and, and have your way instead. For my brothers and sisters who don't yet believe we're here and, and uh, who think that the Jesus stuff is for somebody else but not for them, I pray that you would break into their hearts in a ridiculous way that they couldn't deny you. Uh, they can deny us all they want, Father, but they wouldn't deny you and your love for them. They wouldn't deny the gift of salvation offered through your Son. That they wouldn't deny the imparting of your Holy Spirit for, for their life and for the good of those around them. May you manifest your goodness among us. May we comply to your will as much as we're able. May we not fight you as you seek to, to take charge of your people. Uh, we thank you so much for this time. We thank you for the cross, the gift of salvation we did not earn. And we pray, Father God, that all of these offerings we made today, we glorify to you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.